Hey everyone, this is me, Tom. And Nick. And we are here talking about a very interesting, somewhat somewhat controversial, not not too controversial, depending on what culture you kind of grew up in. But anyway, we're talking about women pastors and whether they should teach and if they should have that kind of senior pastor, whatever you call it, authority over a man. And if they should be able to teach a man in the congregation, especially on Sunday morning. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to read one of the most, I think, clear passages that I think affirms the position that women should not preach or teach or have authority over a man. And we'll go from there. Uh, this is in First uh, Timothy chapter 2, and I'll start in verse 11. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or ex- exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Uh, this uh, This passage is really clear to some and really unclear to other people and it seems that a lot of times when we run into the issue of women teaching and and pastoral ministry and things like that um, this passage gets dissected Um, Mm -hmm. and a lot of people say well it seems kind of demeaning to demeaning to women especially where um, Paul addresses the fact that uh, Eve was deceived right and she will be saved through childbearing if she continues in faith and love and holiness Um, a lot of people point to that and say it can't mean that women are somehow lesser because um, you know, all people are equal in Christ um, in Galatians. Did you want to mention something about that? I think we talked about that before that. Galatians is like the passage a lot of people go to for the view of egalitarianism. And before we get to that, you can open that passage up. Egalitarianism is essentially the position that both men and women are equal and they are able to participate in the same roles in the church and ministry versus uh, the word complementarianism as a traditional view where women are not capable or able to hold any eldership office or able to teach or preach on Sunday. And those are just the definitions to those words if we use them so people know. Yeah. And yeah, so this is often the passage that people go to on the egalitarian position side um they'll say well what about galatians three twenty-eight, where it says there is neither jew nor greek there is neither slave nor free there is na- there's no male and female for you are all in christ jesus yeah and tom what is that addressing like what's the context of that passage well it's talking about Right, he's talking specifically to the Galatians, talking about how the righteous shall shall live by faith, and then he goes into the law and the promise. Like, if we read the next verse, it says, And if you are Christ, then you are of Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So the promise happens to be the salvation that we are guaranteed through Christ. And so Paul is addressing the fact that all, all human beings, regardless of their culture or their race or their sex mm-hmm. are saved by grace to faith alone and the grace that is required for a salvation of a man 
is the same grace that's required for a salvation of a woman. And in fact, we see passages in Scripture where women are used to testify of Christ's resurrection, right? Um, the first person to know about that and to tell the disciples about Christ's resurrection was a woman. Christ uh, speaks to the woman at the well, and she goes and proclaims what has occurred to her at the well, and she kind of gathers the people around, and she was kind of an evangelist to her village. There are instances where women, God uses women to proclaim the gospel in, you know, the world. But here in 2 Timothy, Paul's not talking about those instances. Yeah. Right. First Timothy. First Timothy. Well, chapter two, my apologies. He's talking about the context of the church in the congregation. And once the church was established at Pentecost, there are um, certain ways that God shapes and forms the church. And he references not just the capabilities of women or the abilities to learn or be educated or even the ability to, you know, project your voice. Um Paul specifically says the reason women should not hold any authority over a man or exercise any authority or even teach him, but rather to remain quiet. What does he reference? He references the very beginning. He references Adam and Eve. For Adam was formed first, and it wasn't Adam who was deceived, but the woman and became a transgressor. So you're saying this has nothing to do with ability, but more with your role that God has uh, ordained, right? Yeah, and that's why he says that women should be saved through childbearing. Now, I think that if you go out into the world, even the evangelical world who kind of are soaking up the culture right now, um, the more offensive uh, verse is not the fact that women are to remain quietly, quiet at the church. The more offensive verse is the fact that women will be saved through childbearing, right? Um, and a lot of people uh, say, well, that can't possibly mean that women are not to hold a role in the church in regards to leadership is because we're saved through Christ. We're not saved through any of our works, right? But that's not what Paul is talking about here. Uh, the reason Paul references Adam and Eve is because when God created human beings, he created us with specific roles that are innate and intrinsic in men and in women, right? In Genesis, it talks about the fact that Adam was created and then Eve was created as a helper for him. And I, I every time I think about these roles, I think about the simple fact that if me and my wife uh, come up to a dangerous situation, it's late at night, and some man comes up to us and tries to harass us or potentially rob us or to mug us, um, it would be as though the roles were reversed. I would say that, sorry, that, so, so picture that, right? A man trying to mug us. Yeah. Now picture a woman going up on stage and preaching on Sunday or holding a leadership. It would be as though I would take my wife in that situation and put her in front of me and hide behind her as we're being mugged, right? What's my role in that situation? It's to protect my wife, right? That's the role God designed me for. Yeah. That's the right place for me to be. Yeah. And right. So, so when it comes to, and it says you should not have authority over a woman and in the context of... Over a man, right? Yeah. And in context of a woman, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man that's there's almost like a there's a there's a truth that there is an authority that comes from the word right when you teach the word of god 
Yeah, when you referenced the New Testament, what was the authority that all believers had? It was the Old Testament. So authority wasn't held necessarily in one particular individual, like uh, you know, an appointed priest yeah. or someone who was a shepherd. The authority for that shepherd actually came through God himself in the word that was preached. Yeah, so the authority doesn't come from the actual man or you know, the person preaching the word. It's it's the word that has authority. Yeah, but God orchestrates a hierarchy in this world. Like, you can't deny God's creation. Yeah. This is the reason why women can't preach or teach is not, even if you have a woman that's more educated, more qualified in regards to knowledge, maybe she's a better orator, she speaks well, and there's a man in the congregation, it is anti-God's order to allow the woman to possess the role of the man it would be as offensive as if i would to put my wife in front of me and shield me from the mugger and hide behind her you are doing the exact same thing when you're putting a woman in a pulpit you're not you're not empowering her you're putting in a place in a place where she doesn't belong in regards to god's designed order and the reason that's true is because the uh, contrast that paul makes is not that women should keep silent and um, just stay there or, you know, do some house chores. He specifically references the only thing that women are capable of that men are not of, you know, physically. It's childbearing, right? Yeah. He goes to the very foundational purpose of women, and that's to have children and raise them up. That is the role that God designed them for. And uh, some people will argue, well, that's um, demeaning to women, right? Like, you are actually making a woman a second-class citizen. You're making a woman someone who um, you look down upon. Christ loves her as much as he loves you. How dare you put a woman in that category? Yeah, and, and, I, and I think what, you, you're, what we often do is we look, uh, society looks down on the the importance of raising children. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, it took it took a woman to raise Jesus, to to to, to actually carry jesus to feed him when he was a baby and then to teach him throughout his 10 years and all these things and it took it takes such a great role but i want to just uh i want to just make some kind of like uh points that to say that we are not saying that women can't teach at all because in titus right it says that a woman is to teach younger women and also says that um you know obviously to to teach is in a different context versus, um, you know, sharing the gospel or something. That obviously wouldn't say women can't share the gospel. <laughs> yeah, of course, because um, women are, again, created to bear children. Yeah. But doing faithfully, meaning that there is also the duty of not only bearing the child, but raising them up. And I think, you know, some people argue, well, isn't isn't if a woman is teaching a teenager isn't that all technically a man she's not supposed to teach him and uh, i mean if you just look at nature how god designs designs um us i i would i would make this practical application uh, at the point where the teenager should protect his mom versus um the mom protecting the teenager that's when that teenager becomes a man there is a clear and uh, blatant signs where you know, someone who's a child is no longer a child. They become a human yeah. being and a grown adult. And that places a structure and order where God designed uh, the family in order to actually allow men and women to play the roles that God 
put for them very well and find true happiness and true meaning in life. Because the reason this passage is so important, not only in the church, but the world, is because um, the whole craziness with transgenderism, transgenderism, um, you know, non-binary pronouns and all of that mess, that is being contributed to by the church when we decide to erase the God-given roles that were placed in Scripture. When we, you know, loosen the terms, like, there's downstream effects. Because mm-hmm. if we say, well, you know, what are women for? Well, they're to, they could play exactly the same role as a man, minus the fact that they can't produce children. Men can't produce children. Yeah. You're, you're losing what a woman is. Yeah, and I and the cool thing, at least the good thing, is right that a lot of uh, Christians who say that women can preach uh, on Sunday and teach men is that they would still a lot of them would still uh, say that a man is a uh, woman is to right submit to a man in in the family. Right, so they wouldn't give up the family structure. They would, but they would say that uh, the church is now different. Like, yeah, that women, if they're capable and if God leads them to, um, you know, this path of ministry, that they should be allowed to. But again, I bring up the natural order. If you and your wife come up with the mugger, there's no situation in which you'll hide behind your wife and let her defend you, rather than you defending her and that's simply the creation order that god has placed you have a role to play as a man and that role happens to pertain to a lot of things and especially in the church being in leadership being elders and being teachers yeah women don't hold that role yeah and and if we keep on reading first timothy when it talks about the qualifications for deacons and then it talks about elders or overseers we'll use that interchangeably like overseer bishop or elder there's a distinction where it's it's interesting the the lists are almost exactly the same. Yeah. But what's the distinction? An elder must be able to teach. And obviously we see the qualifications for elder and a deacon and we would say this even helps our point to say that women cannot be pastors because it says that each one should should be have a that each elder and deacon as well should have a should be the husband of one wife correct yeah both in titus and in timothy it specifically says that elders should be a husband or in greek a man of one woman of one wife and Mm -hmm. uh, that's a difficult passage to get rid of because you can't be a woman of one woman right that's not the way yeah you can't be and also you can't be a man with multiple women with multiple wives and so you have this clear distinct um design that God is in place. And the reason, like, the whole reason for this design, Paul also addresses, it was because Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived. That's not talking about the mental capacity of people, saying that women have lower IQs, or the fact that uh, men are somehow capable of looking at deception and distinguishing it better than women. Um, both men and women can be deceived. In, in different ways. But in different ways. And God specifically appointed Adam as the protector and shepherd of the family. And we also, you all mentioned uh, the different words for elders, pastors, um, deacons, right? A lot of people say, well, um, you know, 
the word pastor itself can be applied to women even if they're not functioning in that role. But the very word pastor means shepherd, to shepherd, right? Yeah. To shepherd the sheep. And if you hold the position of a shepherd, you have to have authority in order to feed the flock. And so that breaks apart as well. Yeah, then it feels just like we're changing definitions of like, well, no, we're talking about the Bible. Let's, let's talk about what the Bible actually means. Yeah, a lot of times this argument falls into semantic arguments, like this word means this and this word means yeah, that. Yeah, and we could even have that with different types of topics, you know, when we talk about spiritual gifts. Yeah. You know, like what is the gift of prophecy or what is tongues or the gift versus what does it mean to be a prophet versus having the gift of prophecy or something like that, you know. But um, w- what are your thoughts on like, um, in this context, you know, when someone brings up like, what, if, but me as a woman, I'm saying if I was as a woman, I'm not saying I am. <laughs> oh boy, Tom. What is a woman though? Yeah. Uh, but I w- what if she says, I, I feel like God has gifted me this. I feel like God is get- bringing even fruit in our ministry to where, you know, thousands are being taught the word of God that people are being saved what's wrong with being with this woman being in this authority of being a pastor yeah god uh, i mean everyone uses the phrase god draws straight lines with crooked sticks and that is true women can um participate in preaching the gospel and the gospel is truth and so if you proclaim something that is true god uses his spirit to save that doesn't make it right right god god established his church not only to preach the gospel but also to function in a way where Christ is the head and we are the body. Mm-hmm. And then the head of every man is Christ, right? And the head of every married woman is the husband. And er- the head of the church is Christ. And so you have this hierarchy that's clear and presented in the church. And also, God does prescribe gifts like the ability to teach and the ability to be very intelligent and theological, that role can be played in a context of uh, ministry to women, in the context of discussing women's groups and women's conferences and teaching children, right? I want my wife to be highly theologically educated through from scripture so she can educate and inform our kids' desire for and love yeah. for God. That's making disciples right there. Yeah, and so... God specifically puts these roles in order to establish a clear-cut distinction for how he designed us to function. And, and um, you know, a lot of people, I mean, what would your what would your response be to people, to a woman who says, like, God has called me to this? Well, I would say, how do you know he's called you? According to your feelings or to the word of God? And obviously, we find out the word of God. We find out are the will of God through the word of God. And I would just say, well, what would you say to the man that says, I feel like God has called me to have two wives? I would say, um, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I, I, I'm glad you feel this way, but your heart is, the heart is deceitful among many things. <laughs> yeah. And so like we yeah. have to boil down to the simple truth of scripture. Yeah. We have to submit our feelings to the word of God and unfortunately in this society has a has i feel like a huge influence and pressure you know against against the church and i know it might be different in different every culture what it is but do do you think that a lot of people believe that women can't be happy unless they're able to participate in every aspect of church ministry 
I've, I think what has happened, especially in the Slavic church, is that women, it's almost been a, a position that we don't even hold, right? That women are not even allowed to, uh, for example, possibly even pray, right, on Sunday or maybe even, you know, share a testimony. This is like, this could be like an extreme, extreme example to where I feel like women have been underappreciated, even in the every culture uh to where you look at the new testament and you compare that and you're like wait a second phoebe phoebe was looked upon like this great servant for christ for for paul right yeah, and, in romans 16 yeah and uh she priscilla, was praised priscilla right? and acts as well where her husband and her meet apollos and they inform him of the gospel and they educate him together again they are both participating in the discipleship of Apollos, who becomes mm. a great preacher, someone who you know is a great evangelist. But that's not done in, a con- in the context of the church on a Sunday morning. She's not holding authority over him. She's participating in a conversation and discussion with her husband at the same time. Yeah. And yeah, obviously would make that distinction, right? When you when when you would go like uh right who was it Aqu- Priscilla and Aquila. Yeah, they take Apollos aside and they teach him, "Hey, you're doing this wrong. This is not like some. It's not like Priscilla was just like doing something on her own and taking authority over. It was like a. But then, but then again, I can see people use that argument to say, "What if a pastor, like, what if it's a woman and man pastor kind of role? So a dual like role? a team, like yeah. a team pastor, you know." Um, and a lot of churches hold a position of uh, calling uh, the man who's lead pastor a pastor and then the pastor's wife a pastor. Yeah. But then again, um, if I'm a man and I go to a church, should I call the wife of the pastor a shepherd? Because that's what pastor is, right? A shepherd who is in charge of the flock. It, you know, boil down meanings to the end of it. Why would you call someone, you know, who a word that possesses authority when they actually don't hold any authority yeah um it's challenging and a lot of people claim well what if there's a church that's established in a place where there are no men who are capable of teaching i would ask well who established that church right if it's a it's if it's a mission trip that came that the church that sent those missionaries should provide a male pastor who can educate and establish that church yeah, or at least stay there long enough to be able to train up men within that country, within yeah. that city. There are there are you know places and consequences. Let's say in especially in Ukraine right now, where there are churches that were exploded and blown apart, and now there are small congregations where it could be all women, or it could yeah. be all women and uh, and an older man who you know who doesn't isn't capable of participating in teaching like he a younger man would. And that's a very unique situation where, you know, it's war. It's, it's an extreme moment where the church isn't even possible. It's difficult for the church to even gather on Sunday, right? Yeah, and the exception should not be seen as the rule. Yeah, but, it, it, like, again, it's like saying, anytime I get a chance, it, it almost seems as though people are looking for an opportunity where they can point out, well, women can participate in preaching or teaching and holding authority in this very unique, minute circumstance. 
And uh, my, my question would be like, what's the motivation for constantly looking for something like that? For, again, for, I'm going back to my analogy. It would be as though I'm constantly looking for an opportunity where I can hide behind my wife when there's a dangerous situation, right? What's the motivation for that? I think it boils down to the fact that we have lost the um, biblical understanding that for a woman to produce and have kids and raise them up and be a helper to her husband is the most glorious and joyful position that a woman could ever hold, right? Like the lie that has been sold to the modern day Christian, Slavic or American is that you will be more happy if you get a job and you compete in the man's world, if you um, you know drive a nice car, if, if you are capable of acting or dressing like a man or competing with men, you will be satisfied and happy in that. Like getting high in the work in the workplace, high corporate ladder. Yeah, and um, when women turn later on in the thirties and forties, realize that that was a lie straight from hell because the happiest, like the Bible says the most joyful and happiest position for a woman is to have kids and raise them. Like that truly is God's design for you to have the most joy in life. Just like it is for a man, to, the most joy a man will ever have in his life if he is going to lay down his life for his family and to sacrifice everything for his family and love his wife like Christ left the church. Like God put these roles for our happiness, for our joy, not to suppress us, but we choose, like like Eve chose, a different way. Mm-hmm. And, and hearkening back to creation, Eve decided not to believe God's promise for her joy and participated in biting the fruit rather than trusting God and saying, well, God says so, I will obey. That bring, like Obedience produces joy. I think people miscalculate that, especially in our modern world, where everywhere you look, women should be equal with men and they should play in the same roles. And that's not true. Yeah. Have So in this uh, passage, second or first Timothy chapter two, um, you know, it talks about the women should remain quiet. Um, it's interesting because there is, there's two different words for, for quiet, like Greek in the Greek, there's two different words for being quiet. And, you know, let's just talk about that because, okay. because like, right. I'd obviously, obviously this could be taken to extreme. Um, right. If we think that a woman should never, ever, ever talk in a church service, you know, when it, whether it's, you know, even saying a peep to her husband or something like that. Um, obviously there's different meaning for this word. And in this context, it's, it's the word um, hestua, not sagao, sagao, right? Like, for example, like in Acts 22, verse 2, it says, And when they heard and they were addressing them in the Hebrew dialect, they became even more quiet. Or in Second Thessalonians 3.12, it says, Now such persons would command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in quiet fashion and eat their own bread. Right, so we see this is not like a this is different type of wording, right? To be quiet, it's not to not say a word because, um, do you recall in in uh, was it first Corinthians, either verse 
chapter 12 or chapter 14 in discussion to prophecy, what does it speak about? Like, it it allows for women to prophesy, right? Mm-hmm. Can you break that down? Like, should women prophesy at church? I mean, what part are you talking about? So in in First Corinthians, Paul talks about the gifts, right? And he, I believe it's First Corinthians chapter fourteen or twelve. I don't remember which one, but he doesn't he doesn't pass judgment on people who women who uh, prophesy at church, like they are able to speak a prophecy from the Lord. Are you talking about like? What then, like First Corinthians fourteen twenty six? What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If anyone speak in a tongue, let there be two or three at most, that, and in turn, and let someone in- interpret. Mm-hmm. But there is no one. But if there's no one to interpret, let each one keep silent in church and him, him speak to himself and to God. I'm talking about that. I believe so. I let me find it real quick. Yeah. Orderly worship, right? That's what you just read. Um, I, I know in some uh, in some Bible translation it says, "What then, brothers and sisters?" Mm. So well, it's not a uh, brothers is addressing right both the men and women. Well, um, all I was, I guess my whole point was trying to figure out is, let's say there is a Sunday morning service and you go to a charismatic church or a church that um, participates in prophecy and prayer and speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues. Oh, I think I know you're talking about when a woman is prophesying. Yeah, well, a woman is prophesying or let's say um, interpreting tongues. Um, my, my, my whole question is, is that, is that a different kind of authority or a different kind of speech rather than... Is that where it's talking about uh, head coverings? Yeah. Because, you know, I do not permit a woman to pray or... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's First Corinthians 11. See, I'm always wrong in the <laughs> chapters. I knew it was in First Corinthians. First uh, Corinthians 11.4. Every man who prophesies or prays with his head covered, it dishonors his head, but... Every wife who prays or prophesies with their head uncovered dishonors her head, since it is the same as if her head were shaven. So, women prophesy. Yeah. And so, some people would say that to prophesy, it means to preach. Mm-hmm. But, obviously, we would not. Yeah, maybe a different subject for a different time. I wonder yeah. how continuationists and cessationists think about this. But, it, you know, we would say that I, I think it's true that women have a role to play in a church service, like of course. participating in worship and singing. But Paul specifically addresses the fact of authority and the authoritative teaching on the Sunday morning where women can't participate in that because of the specific roles that God has put in place when he addresses the fact that Adam was created first. The only reason Paul ever gives the fact that women are not to hold authority or teach mm-hmm. is the fact that Adam was created first. He never mentions ability or education, right? He never does. Yeah. And some people would, you know, say that the first Timothy chapter two passage 
that it was when it says, I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man, they would say that that is a woman in context, like a false teacher that he was specifically addressing. Like this woman, a woman that I am addressing, let her not teach. But that that wouldn't work because if we look at the Greek word to be quiet and he's saying, hey, don't teach this woman to um, or tell this woman not to teach, uh, but let her remain quiet. That Greek word to be quiet, it would mean um, it doesn't mean to absolutely be quiet. Be silent. Yeah. It just means to submit to the teaching that was there. Yeah. You know, and that wouldn't make sense if she's teaching heresy then it would tell that woman hey just be a little bit quieter about your heresy yeah it'd be as though you know like you know when you're committing murder just can you commit murder a little bit soft like just don't make any noise right yeah just do it in your role like you can you could teach the women heresy but just don't just don't practice it over over to the men you know and so yeah the response would be like hey don't teach heresy don't teach at all yeah right and some Right, I was listening to one teacher, and he was talking about how, oh, in this context, you see, which is kind of true, right? He he addresses false teachers, like in first the first chapter, Hymenaeus, you know, he talks about Alexander, he says that they're false teachers, so then why wouldn't he he address? But in contrast, why wouldn't he address this woman? Like, why wouldn't he call her out by name if he's not afraid to do so? Yeah, and also, I mean, to me again, the biggest. Um insight that i see is that when he speaks about women he contrasts the particular aspect of not being an elder mm-hmm. but being a childbearer right he says these are opposites these are not to be in the same category like the roles that a childbearer plays and a elder or a teacher plays in the context of the church are the ends of two extremes happening to be male and female that is that are ingrained and distinct roles that are ingrained by god himself they are not interchangeable or possibly manipulatable and i think all these issues uh, are making it very difficult for the church to address cultural issues as well right the fact that women do have distinct and specific roles that cannot be held by men and men have distinct specific roles that cannot be held by women and god made this for our joy and for our satisfaction and if we submit to god's roles in that then our churches will actually function in ways that can produce a lot more fruit going back to your example of you know women that are being very successful in proclaiming the gospel in a morning congregation and look at look at the abundance of fruit what if that woman submitted to a husband or a male pastor? Would we see more abundant fruit because we're obeying God's word? I mean, yeah. scripture would point to something like that, right? Yeah. And what would your objection be to someone that says like, oh, but, you know, there, God used women as leaders in the Old Testament. You know, they were prophets. Um, I don't believe and, there was a single woman prophet in regards to like minor or major prophets. Uh, there was one woman judge, right? Yeah. Deborah. And that entire story, if you read it, is actually the humiliation of Israel. 
and the, uh, I mean, simply put, the downfall and the, um, Israel was in a horrible place at the time, and it was a judgment of God that they had a woman judge. Yeah. Not that she was um, somehow evil or misconstrued, but she was the proc- like she was the testament that God was judging Israel. Yeah. Well, it is. I would actually sh- show you some. There is actually some verses that I think it would show that there is actually there was a few women prophets. Oh, I mean, like, I, how, like, yeah. Yeah, I'm saying, like, in, in the New Testament has not, daughters. You're, saying, you're not saying the same authority, right? Yeah, the New Testament has multiple um, passages where it talks about women prophesying. Yeah. But there are no actual roles that were taken up by women in regards to prophets in the Old Testament that had any any scriptural contribution, right? Um, I, found it, I find it fascinating that out of all the books, 66 books of the Bible— Every single author happens to be a male. Yeah. And right, Matt Slick says that there was over 700 um, pre- names of priests and none of them were women. Right. Taking up that the huge authority of the sacrifice of the Levit- Levitical Do you think order. that the Old Testament is uh, a foundation for the New Testament in regards to worship, in, in regards to women not participating in worship and all the... Obviously, we don't participate in all of the ritual sacrifices and all the ritual washings and all the specific things that um, the Jews participated in for worship. But do you think that's like a foundation that God establishes that, you know, men were to go into the Holy of Holies. Men were to, a man, the high priest was to go and sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. Do you think that holds a foundation for the New Testament in regards to the church? It would depend on what you mean because... For the most part, yes, but also when you, you t- like, for example, you take the woman example of Phoebe, mm-hmm. or I'm mean, not Phoebe, sorry, Deborah, right, the the judge, that doesn't really contrast into uh, into being a, right, being an elder. She was a leader of a nation, of Israel. Um, um, We could talk about this later, but like, you know, that might have to do with more of a debate, like should a woman, uh, like be the leader or like the president of the U.S. I mean, that's a, that's a very good point because Paul never says that women can't be CEOs of companies or mm-hmm. they can't be presidents or prime ministers. Paul's talking about the sphere of the church, right? God's God's church is a very unique and special organism it is it is it has nothing to do with the world it has to do with god's bride and so god appoints specific roles and rules and functioning orders in the church there there is one verse though that do some preachers do bring up that i think there might be some weight to it talking about how the sign of the judgment on a nation is that the infants and women are leaders in their country or in their nation isaiah 3 yeah, again, I keep on going back to my example. That is men putting their women in front of them because they are too cowardly to participate in their roles, right? The reversal of roles always boils down to the lack of responsibility that men choose to possess and to take upon, upon themselves, right? If men become weak, they're taking, they're stealing the role of the woman 
from them and women are taking the roles of men. It is, you know, the reversal of God's order. Yeah. And so, again, I, I just want people to recognize that when God speaks about things like women's and men's roles, um, people tend to apply them in very demeaning ways to women. Like, women should shut up at church, and they should just pop kids out, and that's how they're supposed to be Christians, right? And really... Paul is talking about the roles that produce actual joy in solid families and satisfaction in life for both men and women. Mm-hmm. And it's not talking about abuse or oppression. Um, he's talking about the fulfillment of the most joyous participation in the role that you were created for. Yeah. You know, one thing St- Steve Lawson says is that the Bible is not hard to understand. It's just hard to swallow. <laughs> And I'll just say, I think this is very clear. When you read First Timothy two, it, it talks. It's not talking about just one woman, right? Because it it talks about right before this in context. It's talking about, it's talking about like the men lifting holy hands, and then it talks about the women that they should adorn themselves, and then that is proper for women to profess godliness with works. Let a woman learn quietly with all submiss- submissiveness. It's not talking about one woman. Every everything in in chapter two is talking about plural, plural, plural. If you just look at the context. Oh, I was gonna <laughs> mention one more thing. Um, every woman pastor who participates in a role of ministry, like actual, let's say there is a uh, woman pastor who preaches on Sunday, who held, holds an eldership view or role. How is she functioning as a woman? Is when she does those things, is she neglecting? the things that God asks her to do as a woman, like being a housewife, being a helper to her husband. Like I, I find it very difficult to see that if a woman is actually a lead pastor is in charge of a congregation doing all these things, that she is also fulfilling all the roles that are required for her from her as a mother and as a submissive wife. I don't think there are very many women who do do both just practically, regardless if it's right or wrong. Mm. Yeah, and then it's like if a woman is if you believe that a woman should submit to her husband um in the in the structure of a family, then how is that going to work when a woman comes up to preach and her husband's sitting in the congregation? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a reversal of roles. <laughs> Sorry, that that was something I forgot to mention. Yeah, it's good. I mean, honestly, we could go through more passages and if you're interested please reach out to us and let us know if you want us to go deeper into this topic because there is a ton of other verses and other things that you know people bring up uh but we think that the bible is clear in this regard anyway have a good day god bless you and always be reforming